Psalm 51. You can see this on page number 549 on the Church Bible. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, and uh, so you are right in your verdict. And justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you decide faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with his hope, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from, your, from my sins, and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of God. So I want to, um, David's going to speak, and, you know, without wishing to embarrass him, he spoke brilliantly at the first service, and he unpacked a lot of biblical truth within it. So I just want to say that what we're going to do is, is obviously pray for David, and then David will speak, um, and then I'm going to lead a prayer of, um, well, David uses the language returning, that I will give away from his talk. David uses the language of returning, a prayer of returning um, afterwards, and then we're going to have a time of worship. I would just open your hearts and minds to the possibility that with what David brings this morning, God might uh, speak into your life in a way which might be uncomfortable, um, but will allow plenty of space for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us um, as, we, uh, as we unpack what that means. And afterwards, um, if people like David and Pauline and, and others were willing to, to pray at the front with people then, then, and Chris, 
uh, we'll offer we'll offer prayer for you, and we'd love to stand with you in prayer. So, um, just to set the scene a bit, that that's what we're going to do over the next half hour or so. So let's pray for David. Father God, we thank you that you raise up men and women of faith to come and bring your word to your people. We thank you for David who has clearly wrestled with these scriptures over the past week. And we pray for him now, Lord, as he brings your word to us. Anoint him, Father, with your spirit and enable him to speak your truth with boldness. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Right. Oh, thanks, man. Okay, um, so when I started um, speaking uh, in church, um, this uh, talk I'm about to give was the kind of talk I didn't want to do. Um, and yet, yeah, here we are. Um, there's some heavy stuff in this psalm, as Matthew said, and um, just know that as difficult as some of this might be to hear, it's just as difficult to say and to have uh, lived with over the past week or so. Um, because this is a psalm which is written um, out of a very dark time in King David's life. Uh, the exact details of which I think, you know, most of you will know anyway, and I'm not going to go into now, but if you want to know, it's, uh, I think, 2 Samuel, somewhere around chapter 14, I think. Uh, but it's there to be found. Um, and he did some pretty terrible things. Um, he, in the course of a few weeks, maybe a month, he uh, managed to break five out of ten commandments, which is, um, you know, impressive. Um, and it wasn't until the prophet Nathan came to him and revealed to him the depth to which he had uh, fallen. Uh, there was almost like he, um, he remembered who he was and who God was and who they were supposed to be uh, in relation to one another. And he writes this psalm out of that desperation he feels uh, on that realisation. And it's not... Um, you know, I, I, I like to structure things around the structure in the Bible, but uh, this is not a, uh, a structured theology that you see in Paul's letters or the kind of the mosaic of stories that you see in the Gospels to kind of build up to something greater. This is an unsystematic, in many ways, um, outpouring of emotion. Um, but as I've been kind of grappling with it, I think I've seen kind of three strands that run through it, three um, dichotomies, if you like, uh, kind of, uh, you know, three sets of two things in opposition to each other. And so I'd like to kind of talk through those uh, now, um, because David uses those to explore the doctrine of sin. Um, I've already kind of given away at the first service, I asked if anyone knew what sin is, uh, and uh, no one did, actually, which was a bit worrying. Um, but uh, I've actually kind of shown my cards a bit uh, with the setting the scene. So what we have here is David setting up a dichotomy between the righteousness of God on the one hand and his own sinfulness on the other. 
as I said, he, it wasn't until the prophet Nathan came to him and showed him the depths to which he'd sunk that, it, that he remembered the righteousness of God. Because he'd been facing away from the righteousness of God towards something else. He'd been facing into his own sinfulness, into the darkness, into something which was not God. And although we think of sin often as the bad stuff we do, and although David had done properly bad stuff, when he says... I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And when he says, um, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, it's clear that what David has in mind is not just the bad things he's done, but has to do with his attitude of spirit. The attitude of spirit which faced away from the righteousness of God and towards anything else. Um, I've been uh, wrestling with this <clears throat> this week. I've been in a half term this week. But I have rather uh, packed out my schedule um, with uh, just things I needed to do, um, preparing this sermon among them. And what I found was that although if I gave you an itemized list of everything I, I did this week, you know, there'd be a few bits of bad stuff in there, I'm sure. But most of what I did would not be something which you'd point to and say that's obviously sinful. You know, studying the Bible to prepare for a talk on a Sunday morning is not sinful, thank goodness. <laughs> but what I found was, rather later than I should have done, is that my attitude of spirit as I came to the Bible was not faced towards God and his righteousness. And although what I was doing was not wrong, the way I was doing it was not honouring to God. And the outworking of that was that I have been not an easy person to live with this week. I have not been the kind of husband I wish I was. And I have also not been the kind of father I wish that I was. Because I allowed the stress of my week and I allowed the things which I had to do this week to overwhelm me. And instead of facing in towards God, who would have illuminated those stresses and those things I needed to do and would have illuminated the time I had with my family, time off from work, which should have been a valuable time, my attitude of spirit was such that what I did became unrighteous. And so that's what I mean when I say Sinfulness, fundamentally, in Christian theology, is not about bad things you do. The bad things you do are an outworking of an attitude of spirit. And having realised this, and having turned away from this walking in the wrong direction towards walking back 
towards the light. King David uh, sets up another pair of, um, another dichotomy. On the one hand, there is the action of God. And on the other hand, there is the action of David. Having seen the righteousness of God, the only thing David can do is ask God to do something, and that is forgive him. But where a lot of Old Testament rhetoric finding itself in a place of sinfulness asks God to turn his face away from the sinner. David, for some reason, um, possibly because of the relationship he has historically enjoyed with God, asks instead for God to turn, I couldn't find it earlier, to turn his face away from his sin. Yeah, no, I still can't find it. It doesn't matter. It's in there somewhere. Um, because David knows that if he returns to God and turns to fully face God in all his righteousness, and David is still in his sinfulness, then the righteousness of God, the holiness of God will overwhelm him. And David fears being destroyed, but he wants to be able to come back to that relationship he has historically enjoyed with God. And so he asks God to do something very radical uh, in Old Testament thought, which is to turn his face away and to blot out his sins. Now we are in the privileged position of living after the cross event. The time where Jesus, once and for all, allowed God to turn his righteousness against all the unrighteousness of man and took that unrighteousness upon himself. Which means that we now join with David and we say, when we see the righteousness of God, God forgive us and we know that that forgiveness is guaranteed. So that's the action which, God, which David asks of God. And he says that, David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, you who are God my saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Because the outpouring of returning to God and the outpouring of the forgiveness we receive is twofold. It is worship and it is witness. In seeing the righteousness of God, all we can do is reflect that righteousness back towards God, which is worship, and reflect that righteousness out towards the world to lead other people away from where they've been facing, and to lead, him, lead them, lead the whole world back towards the righteousness of God. And so that's the, uh, the, the, the two actions we see here. We see God's forgiveness and we see our response to that forgiveness. 
Now, at the end, David sets up um, from verse 16 to 19. God sets up uh, some paradoxes, and this is the last kind of dichotomy I want to talk about. In verse 16, he says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. And then in verse 19, he says, Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole, and then bulls will be offered on your altar. And this ties together the first two dichotomies. Because what we see is that our worship, the songs we sing, the liturgies we say, the prayers we offer, the words we speak from the front, if that is part of our ministry. Those things have no value if we are not facing the right direction. If I am only faced into the darkness, then what value has my worship to God? Because I'm not turned to face God. God doesn't desire sacrifice from the unrighteous. But all we need to do to become righteous is to turn towards him. The sacrifice God demands from us is our brokenness. Because it's only, that's in here as well in 17 and 18. Our brokenness, when we allow our lives to stop being about building up ourselves and making ourselves great, then God is able to come in and make us great. And that makes our worship valuable. Every word we sing this morning, every hymn and chorus, every prayer we offer, everything we do out in the world is only valuable insofar as it reflects the righteousness of God and is offered with an attitude of spirit which is facing him. And so my prayer this morning, this is a prayer which I'm sure we all pray frequently, even if we don't use these words. We all come to the place of thinking, you know, there's bad stuff we do and I need to repair my relationship with God. Which is all this prayer is doing. But in the way it talks about those things, it makes certain things incumbent upon us. Not because that's what our faith is based on, and not because that's where our forgiveness is based on. Our forgiveness is based on God's grace and God's love and God's righteousness. But the outworking of that forgiveness does demand action. And so my prayer is that we'll go out from this place into our lives. And everything we do in our work, in Morrison's, in the pub, in baby and toddler groups, at school, with everyone we meet, will reflect the righteousness, righteousness of God and that our spirit would be turned away from the darkness and away from ourselves and away from anything that is not God and that it will be turned to his righteousness 
so that we might reflect it back to him and out into the world. Amen. got so many notes from what David shared at both services. Um, facing, when we face into the things which aren't God, uh, facing into God and his righteousness, sin has been a wrong attitude of spirit, um, and, and taking the focus off the end results, you know, of sinfulness about the sort of the superficial, the, the surface things that we do or say or think that derive from that attitude of spirit not being directed towards God. And I have in my head the scripture, I think it's from John, um, you must increase, I must decrease, Lord. And maybe that can be part of our prayer now. So I'm going to, um, I've got a prayer, which is one prayer, but I'm going to split it in two. So I'm going to say this prayer, and then we're going to have a time of worship together. Um, So find a place where it's just you standing before your creator, just as David stood and faced into God. Have mercy upon us, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out our offences. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sins are ever before me. Against you only have we sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified when you speak and upright in all your judgments. Purge me from my sins and I shall be pure. Wash me and I shall be clean indeed. Hide your face from our sins and blot out all our iniquities. Creating us a clean heart and renewing us a right spirit, O Lord. <laughs>